answering your tough financial questions for the past 26 years. It's Allworth's Money Matters with co-hosts Scott Hansen and Pat McLean. Would you like an opinion on a financial matter you're dealing with? Whether it's about retirement, investments, taxes, or 401ks, Scott Hansen and Pat McLean would like to help you by answering your call. To join Allworth's Money Matters, call now at 833-99-WORTH. That's 833-99-WORTH. Welcome to Allworth's Money Matters. I'm Scott Hansen. I'm Pat McLean. Glad you are joining us on uh, this particular weekend because... Um, it's been a week. It has been a oh week. In, in in every asset class. It's been a week. Yeah. Everything. Everything. Gold. Did gold finish the week down? Uh, it, had some, it, it, it went the other direction. Gold. Uh, bonds <laughs> have been all over the place. All over the place. Of course, the stock market. And the, yeah, naturally, the stock market. Uh, double whammy, if you will. Right. So if we open the week on Monday, the coronavirus was, you, you know, it hit uh, the shores of North America um, in a in a big way. Right. Which is uh, it can no longer be ignored by uh, by either businesses or politicians or uh, the average American. That's right. Can no longer be ignored. And we'll spend a little bit of time. And then what happened with the price of oil, uh, which was essentially yeah. a feud between. Uh, Saudi Arabia and Russia, um, and America. Well, that part, well, part was Putin trying to um, kill the, our shale producers. Yeah, well, they were they were they weren't part of the agreement, but you, they were being affected by it. And it, if if you if you know the, we'll talk quite a bit this. But if if you came into this week, the last few weeks, with a broadly diversified portfolio with the right kind of asset allocation, where you've got your structured in such a manner that you've got your Anything in, in long-term investments is really for your long-term. Long-term. You're fine. Yes. However, if you had structured your portfolio to maybe maximize your income by having uh, extra in energy because they paid higher dividends. Yes. Bloodbath. Absolute. Just, you got your clock cleaned. Uh, and I don't know if you'll, I mean, there's certain, the overall markets will clearly recover. Not every individual company. Clearly, there's going to be people that there will be fallout. Way. If you were uh, if you were over awaited in either entertainment or uh, travel and leisure, mm. you it was bad. It was and bad. It's just an interesting time. So, I mean, <laughs> we were recording this. This is this was this is being aired uh, on the radio Saturday morning. Uh, we record it Friday afternoon, and uh, it is um, one of the most strange. This, this week reminded me a bit of nine eleven, and because Pat and I, Pat and I, have been working together. You know, our names. I remember all absolutely nine <clears> eleven. <throat> yeah, right, oh did, yeah, right. uh, yeah. Well, not only nine eleven, the but how the clients reacted to nine eleven and, and how, how we, we did reacted as a firm. As just, a firm we were a small organization then, but nine eleven. I remember we all came in. It's like, what should we be doing here? When what communications we put out to our clients? All hands on what, deck. What, what are our portfolios? And quite frankly, the portfolios need to be tested. Well, we do it on a weekly, before a weekly basis before it happens. It's after it happens. It, you know, the, the the horses left the barn, as Ross Perot would say. Um, it, it's too late. So you need to build the portfolio yeah. to weather things that you well, can't may, may see not, coming. I mean, it's good for everyone to truly understand this particular time. Where well, we've talked about it all the time. What ends up happening is as this bull market continued to go for twelve years, people got complacent, didn't really pay that much attention, let their stocks increase without rebalancing. What is rebalancing? Are we talk well, we talk about well, well, maybe people are just listening for the first time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, this too shall pass. This too shall pass. Historically, the stock market, the last 96 years, if we look at the broad U.S. market as measured by the S&P 500, has grown about 10% a year. We've had many times uh, where the markets have taken a big fall like this. And if you think back of other times, other shocks to the system, which we've had many, 
We've always recovered from them and moved forward. I really don't think from a, I don't think our the economy is going to be screeched to a halt forever. I don't think coronavirus is going to kill every human. We will get through this. Five years from now, things are going to be much different than it, today. It could be over, and it could be over. Uh, the recovery could start in as little as six months or twelve months. I mean, we could be back to a new eye on the stock market in two years. Nobody or it could knows. take three years. What's or it could be a year. What's happening now is people are think looking at long term investments and are completely ignoring th- that things are going to recover, right? So what what's the value of a company, any company? I call it a corner gas station. It's how many cars they're going to be able to fill, how much gas and, and now sodas and junk food can they, how much, what are their sales going to be over the next many years and what are they going to be earning over the next many years? Not the next three weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. So it most certainly will affect the value of those. Much like... If you have a rental house, you own a rental house, and you try to sell it when it's empty or it's been open empty for a year, it's not going to sell for as much. Same thing. My son's a senior at Boston College. Yes. Right? We we both have kids in college. Coming home because Boston College says we're moving to online. My son, there's five of them. They rent an apartment, some flat in Boston. And uh, so I was talking to him this morning. because like when I said, when is your lease up? And they were actually looking at the contract, and there's something in the contract, an act of God, forced majeure. I'm not a legal expert. I said, well, it'll be kind of interesting to look at the contract. And he says, there's five months left on the lease. And I said, maybe the thing to do is go to the landlord and say, look, we'll, we'll give you two and a half months worth of lease of payments today. It's going to be... so. This ripple effect, it's going to, it's, it's, I don't know any business that's not impacted, but it's not going to last forever. That's right. That, and quite frankly, Scott, you know, the Fed cut short term interest rates by 50 basis points. Half a percent. Half a percent. Thank yeah. you. One um, basis point is one one hundredth. That's what we talk in the industry all the okay. time. Thank yeah. you. I forgot I was on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> so, so will that spur the economy on? Not if people can't not spend now. it. Not if you're not going to go out, right? What's I mean, you it? look at you gonna... look at the shutdown in Italy. Will that come here? I don't know. We don't know. Well, well, quite quite frankly. So if you read, and I know you've read about it, but the, if the listeners you go on and what they're trying to do is flatten the curve. Yes, flatten yes. the curve. So look, go to Google or Bing or whatever, and look up flatten. I think the that's curve. probably the best for me. When I saw that chart and kind of it made the first time it really. Made sense. Which is essentially, we don't, we don't have the medical, and by the way, we're not experts at this. We're not pretending to be experts. We're just giving you our opinion, what we understand thus far. We're, um, but medical experts cannot deal with, if, ever, if the virus spread through in, in the next couple of weeks, they couldn't deal with all this truly uh, sick people. And they would have to then start rationing. Yeah. And those affected would be the old and elderly. And there'd be a lot more deaths. And there'd be a lot more deaths. If instead they can slow the spread... Essentially, the same number of people might get critically ill, but you can spread it out over months. Now the medical community can deal with it. And it gives the medical community time to ramp up for this, to train to it, to get supplies, to get. And that's really, quite frankly, if you look at how China handled this, how Germany handled this versus how Italy handled this, uh, uh, Italy was too late to the game. China they we were may little, be too late to the game. What's that? We may be, we too, may late. be too late to the game. Right, we'll find out soon. But it's interesting. In China, they're starting now. So this whole started in China at the end of uh, December. Uh, we didn't hear about it in the United States until early January. But and no one paid a whole lot of attention unless you're an infectious disease specialist, in which case you've probably spent a lot of time watching <laughs> this. But China has now started to reopen yeah, yeah. factories. and So from, an, look, from an investor standpoint... When there's times like this, number one, it creates opportunity. So if you had some cash wondering when is a good time to invest, we don't know if it's at the bottom, but the best time to invest is when there's uncertainty and fear, which is clearly now. This is a horrible time to be selling. Yes. And if you have your portfolio being managed where it's being rebalanced, it might have already triggered a buy or it might be buying more. So as an example... Uh, at here at Allworth, and I know that many of other firms, similar kind of approach. Let's say that there was a 
a client that had a portfolio that was 50% in, let's say it was 50% in equities or stocks and, and 50% in bonds and some other things. So roughly 50% at more longer term investments and 50% in more short term investments. At, after last year with the stock market run up, instead of it may being 50 50, it might have suddenly been 58 42. Because the equity side of the portfolio Grew. has grown and the other as a percentage has shrunk. Yeah. So Not that it lost value, but as a percentage, it was less. So the at, I know at, at Allworth on February 20th, we did a like cross the board rebalance and uh, for, for accounts that were in IRAs where there's no taxable consequences, it was just automatic where we sold off some stocks. It was right, essentially, I mean, the, in retrospect, it looked like we had some brilliant timing, but it wasn't that at all. It was just the disciplined approach to investment. And at some point in time, they'll be buying back more. We, it, as a so, firm, it, back in February of 2009, right before the bottom of the market, not because we saw it coming or we had some, we were clairvoyant that this was happening. It was a disciplined approach. What And what happened back then is we actually sold bonds and bought stocks about, what, three, three weeks below? Yeah. Three, three weeks, weeks before bottom. Before the bottom. Not because we knew we were at the bottom, but we had a disciplined approach to, to doing the, the yes. asset management. So when you talked about the IRAs, the reason you, we do it in IRA is because there's no tax implications. On a brokerage account or dollars outside of an IRA, then we measure that against the tax implications. And see and what then makes sense. What makes sense. We thread but the so needle. It, look, if, if you right now are are kind of panicked about things. A couple of things to be, to do. One is, is, is look at what, kind, what is your approach to investment? Do you have one? Right. And I think a lot of people don't. Well, they didn't have a discipline around it. Well, they're feeling that now if they don't, but maybe you'd had that. Um, but it's, I find for some people, it's just helpful to see what's in your, to understand what's in your portfolio right now. So I, what I found is sometimes people think, oh, my gosh, my million dollars is going to go to zero if the stock market goes to zero. First of all, you probably don't have everything in stocks. So understand what's actually in your portfolio. And it might be that only half of your account was tied up into things like that. And the other half is very safe. So even if every company in the in the world went bankrupt, well, that happens. It's not going to yeah, matter. It's not right? going to really matter. That's <laughs> not going to happen but anyway. But that, that you have something that's... Uh, that can ride you through, especially if you're taking income on a portfolio. Yeah, and as here, I know as a firm, um, you know, this this last week was a really interesting week for us, right? So as an organization, we're doing a, a number of things. One, we've had a variety of communications going out to our clients. As a matter of fact, we put together a video, uh, a 15-minute educational video, Navigating Financial Shocks. It's on our website. It's on. The, it's, there's a link to it at the front page of our website, Navigating Financial Shocks, and it goes through other financial shocks, how the markets are reactive. I think it's very helpful for investors to get just, it's 15 minutes, right? So if you're, before you- Allworthfinancial.com. Yeah, allworthfinancial.com. It, it's really helpful to do. So we we put that together. We got together as, a, as an organization and said, all right, let's pretend like we're locked out. Everyone's working from home. What are, how prepared are we? What do we need to do, et cetera? So- we're not there today, but we'll be there by the middle of next week. We could oh, we be. Were, I we mean, were I a could... lot of the ways there, but oh, this kind of forced it. If it if, but it's it's being in that position to make sure that we can continually uh, communicate with clients. History has shown people that make big big changes to their portfolio during times of panic harm themselves. Yeah. And the last thing that we did was we had these uh, in. We, yes, we would do uh, live events, uh, social security. We had workshop. 22 workshops scheduled in the next couple of weeks around different yeah, cities. Around, around well, the United States. And stuff. We, talked well, about we hope the you've heard the ads. Um, and obviously we can't very well host something where we have hundreds of, of people over age 60 show up to it's just, in person. Yeah. So we reformatted our live events with social security workshops, which we teach you about how your social security works and when you should take it and things that you need to be aware of. We've actually reformatted that to a on-demand. And what, uh, a, and essentially uh, it's the I'm going workshop. To, I'm going to do the workshop along with one of our other financial advisors at a, with cameras, with lots of cameras and highly produced. Um, so you'll have the exact same feel. So if you, if you signed up, you'll get that. If you haven't signed up, you can still go to our, 
our website and um, and and grab that. Yes. So and, and actually, and if you subscribe to our weekly newsletter, uh, you'll yeah, see. Yeah, and that. if you haven't, if you thought you're subscribed to our newsletter and you didn't hadn't didn't receive it Friday, go back on our website and sign up because maybe. You didn't you opt it out yeah. or something else happened. So or you're, it's on your spam filter or something. But we want to make sure you get that because we've been, we've been having lots of great information. But we also want to continue on. Life goes on. We want to make sure we have some calls. So we're going to have some calls. We're also going to talk to our uh, CPA, Michael Marischke, later in the program. So let's go to the calls and let's talk with Bob. Bob, you're with Allworth Money Matters. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Bob. What can we do for you? My question, yeah, my question is that I'm approaching my retirement in about three, three and a half years, and I currently have about $500,000 in my 401k. And in addition, I have about $200,000 in the equity in my house in the Bay Area. And my retirement income will be about $2,850 from uh, Social Security. And if I don't touch my 401k, it'll be about $1,500 a month from that. But my question is, I'm going to be looking to purchase my retirement home. And the question is, do I limit my house hunting for retirement to only the $200,000 that I have in house equity, or am I able to take some money out of the 401k and buy, say, the house I really want for 250 or so, and then how much damage does that do, and what are the trade-offs, I guess? How old are you? I am 63 and a half. And are you single or married? And when you pass away, where does this money go? In if the, there's anything left, it goes to my uh, two kids and to my grandson. Okay. And how do you feel about that? Do you care whether they get it? If you it, Are you one of these guys that say, the last check I write, I want it to bounce? Or... <laughs> Are you someone that says, I'm really, it's really important for me to have my children inherit, or do you're just completely up in the air one way or the other? No, the only thing I care about is uh, helping my grandson with college. Other than that, I want to go sliding into home and leave just <laughs> enough to bury me. All right. So I have, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask Scott what you think. Cause I, have I would opinion. consider using a reverse mortgage to buy this house. I would consider using a reverse mortgage to buy this house. And how well. that can work. Let, let's say the house is $250,000. Essentially, you, I'm just kind of making up some numbers here, but you, you might need to put like $125,000 down. The reverse mortgage covers the other $125,000. What ends up happening is because you're not making, you've got a mortgage on it now, you're not making payments on it because you don't have to with a reverse mortgage, and the interest just accrues on itself. So five years down the road, instead of the reverse mortgage balance being 125, it might be 150 or 160. And 20 years down the road, you know, it'd be substantially larger, but one would presume that so would the value of the house you're in. The, the nice thing about it in a situation like yourself, and we don't recommend these very often, right? If you very, the- very. And when we're through talking about the nice situation, we'll go through the pros and cons of this for you. But that way you're not using all, that way you're not dipping into your 401k. I really don't like the idea of you dipping into your 401k for your house if you don't have to. One, you've got to pay taxes right. on the money coming out. Two, that's less principal there to work for you to provide some monthly income. You And you said your Social Security income would be how much a month? Uh, about 2800 to 2850 at at what age at uh, 66 and 4 months yeah. okay all right um and when are you moving as soon as i as soon as i hit 66 and 4 months got it so you got 3 years right so um I, I agree with Scott. So the, the problem with here's the downside of the home act or the uh, reverse. Well, first of mortgage. all, it's three and a half years. A lot can happen in three and a half That's years. That's right. That's right. That's right. I mean, real estate prices where you're going to buy could go up. Prices in the Bay Area could go yeah. down. Lots could happen. Reverse mortgage products can change. Yeah, they, they might not be available. Who knows? Um, but if you were to make the decision today, we would say do a reverse mortgage. Downside of it is you better make darn sure it's the last house you're ever going to live in. So you got to go in there knowing that this is fairly close to an irrevocable decision. The other downside it to it will definitely be my toe tag house. Okay, 
There, there. <laughs> so you, if if it means you're moving to a place you've never lived before, or haven't spent a lot of time in all the seasons, I would uh, ask you to go and try to experience every season in that geography as well as spend time there to make sure it's the last house. The um, the other thing is that they're expensive. They're more expensive than a regular mortgage, but it it, it satisfies your needs, um, which is to preserve as much principal as possible in order to actually live off of that. And, you know, at the end of the day, would there be more money left over uh, in the in the property if you paid for it? Yes, absolutely, because you'd be paying down the payment. You'd be paying the interest and principal every month. And all this is a reverse mortgage is just exactly what it sounds like. Mortgage in reverse, which is the payment that the month that you owe on it goes up every month, not down. Right. And that's what I would explore in your, in your situation. Partially because you're single, partially because you said, you know, if they get something, they get something. If not, who cares? And you're not flush with, with money. You've got, probably enough um but it's not like it's rolling and two hundred thousand dollars in equity in a home at 63 is nice but if you're moving in and around california you know as well as i that is not a lot of equity in california no i'll be heading to the uh, border of idaho and washington state and where i've lived before okay oh, and perfect. you might actually be able to pay cash for a house there uh, for the two hundred thousand. Or if you just need a little what bit. What cash do you have now? Uh, in addition to the money in the 401k. Uh, additionally, I have about uh, 45000 cash in the bank. You might be able to make, you might be able to swing it if, depending upon, you know, we're talking three years out. I don't know what a, you know, what kind of a house you're looking at uh, up there. But if you could pay cash for it and then just keep that reverse mortgage on the side and decide to what do if it in you the sold, What if you sold your existing, your current house now and bought that house today? Oh, and found somewhere to rent for the next three and a half years, and turn that into I have a rental. Of that uh, that would be interesting to take a look at. I know I could rent it for more than my mortgage. I'd play with that. I like my that mortgage idea. is only fourteen thirty three, and I could. Probably my, my, I mean, you know, so I, 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 I've been doing this almost thirty years, right? So I've seen lots of different economic cycles. I have no, I have no idea what's coming in the next three and a half years. I can't predict anything, but. You've lived there before. You're a single guy. You're counting the days down for three and a half years for retirement. Yeah, can we you don't... get a job up there? Don't need a job. Yeah, oh. that's three and a half more years in the Bay Area, and he's done. But if you can sell, you, right. we know what your house in Danville is worth today. We don't know what it's worth three and a half years from now. Right. If you sold the house, and we know what houses are worth where you, it's about 250000 the house that you'd like to buy. Part of my thought is, what if you sold yeah. that house um, in in the Bay Area, rented, and then rented rented something for the rented, next three and a half years, and then bought the house up in uh, Washington State rented, or Idaho and rented, and rented that. that out. You'd want to buy. You wouldn't want to wait three and a half years because then who knows? Yeah, what side of the trade you'd be on. Yeah. That's something to consider. Something to consider. So there you go. You got two things you can Thank do: you one today and one in three years. Yeah. Good luck, Bob. I like the plan though. Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. I appreciate your advice. And enjoy your show. Thank well, you. Thank, All right, you. thank you. Yeah. And it's, that's, it is really expensive to live in the, the Bay Area. Yeah. Well, in most of California. Even like gasoline is double. I go to visit wow. my daughters and um, we live here. We, Pat and I broadcast, we live in Northern California. We go, my daughter's in Denver in grad school and the gas is like half the price. Yes. Utilities are expensive that's here. expensive. People are nicer. <laughs> I don't know if people are nicer. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go to the break, um, it's important to look at it's important to look at your employer's financial situation. If you've got a a deferred compensation plan, so some companies offer a four four fifteen deferred compensation plan, or you have a pension that is larger than under the federal guidelines, and they have to provide. Uh, 415 pension benefits. So just to be clear, we're talking about private companies, private companies because you could have a deferred compensation and be part of a municipality or water district, which by the way, technically is an asset of that municipality or that district. And they're called 457, not 415. So 
uh, we're headquartered in Sacramento. McClatchy newspaper chain just filed for bankruptcy a few weeks ago. Prior to that, they suspended the excess pension benefits to their executives that had previously retired because they were just a liability. That they could that they could discharge. They yes. could discharge them. They did that before they filed for bankruptcy. Correct. And the reason I'm, we're bringing this up, if you have a pension or you plan on having a pension from a smaller employer and you think there's some chance, if the pension is in excess of the IRS limits, that executive type pension, um, plan around that because there could be some changes there. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. Because you could have retired from the newspapers 25 years ago and thought you were absolutely golden. That's right. That's exactly right. Right? right? Correct. Like, like you're like at the That's top of your game. Right. Nothing going to upset yeah, this. No kidding. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Um, and when we come back, we'll take some more calls. You're listening to All Worth's Money Matters. Can't get enough of Allworth's Money Matters? Visit allworthfinancial.com slash radio to listen to the Money Matters podcast. All right, welcome back to Allworth's Money Matters. Scott Hansen, Pat McClain. And um, glad you're here. Before, in this, this part of the program, we want to talk a little bit about taxes because here it is, middle of March. Um, and what more exciting topic. What a great. So we're going to have uh, a CPA be joining us uh, the latter part of the program. And... Um, so you want to stick around for that. Mike, our very own Michael Mariski. Um, Allworth has a tax uh, department that does... Um, Allworth Tax Solutions. Yes, Allworth Tax Solutions. But um, Michael will be joining us to talk about some techniques and whatnot. Um, so, so when we say we have a tax department, it is a service that we offer to our clients as well as financial planning and investment management. Yes, it's they do. Another bookkeeping, tax returns. tax returns. Not that much bookkeeping because it's most people, it's... Uh, or the tax returns. Yeah. The, but they do business tax returns, tax returns and, and yeah, yeah. tax planning and everything you'd, and expect, tax planning. you'd yeah. expect from a professional firm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. But before that, we are, because we'll be talking about some things to pay attention to as we're going into tax season here. Uh, but before that, we will take a couple calls. 833-99-WORTH is the number to be part of the program. And let's start off here with Brent. Brent, you're with All Worth Money Matters. I, uh, I'm, uh, while I'm a guy who's always paddled his own financial canoe, I've listened to you guys for years and I've certainly learned a lot. And, uh, I'm, I'm coming to you today asking about the topic of, uh, social security claiming strategies. Oh, the situation is, we hate these, uh, we hate these questions. We hate these questions. uh, (laughs) And let me tell you why we hate Brent. Before you ask the question, I'll tell you why we hate the question. It is such an individualized um, answer for everyone based on a number of factors, right? What you're trying to achieve, high current income, more money downstream, right? What your, you believe your life expectancy uh, is and what your income needs are today. And we, and it's more than that. Do we have a high amount in retirement accounts relative to other assets? Is that where income's going to come? Are there Roth Conversion strategies that we should employ between now and age 72. Is there pensions involved? Um, And we use sophisticated software in our office for all our financial plans. But in saying that, we'd love to take your question. And the rules have changed uh, based if you were born before, what's the year, Pat? 1940? uh, Uh, 46. Is it 46? 46. Anyway. No, is it 46? What's your question? Well, the questions are broader than that. I'm, I'm definitely not looking for a specific recommendation for my wife and I. My, and here's the background. I was born in 60, my wife in 61. Um, and, you know, I have always taken the position that I just blown that topic off. I pay very close attention to all other personal finance issues. But I said, you know, or thought to myself, the laws are going to change three times before I become eligible. Don't worry about it. And so, but my questions are, are is it really this, A, is that really the right way to look at it? Should I be doing more investigation in this now uh, when I'm turning 60? And and if so, where where can I educate myself about it? Well, our website's got a pretty good tutorial, right? So I mean, one way is uh, if you just go to allworthfinancial.com, 
I think we have a learning library. I'm not con a learning library. We've got a, I think it's a, I don't know, 40 minute tutorial that goes through everything you need to know about social security. You, you spend 40 minutes on that. You'll be, you have as much. Is education. it a video? It's a, I don't know what, what it is. Yes, it? it's, it's a, a video. video. It's a video. Did you do What's, it? I think I did. Scott did it. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, you did it. Okay. There's, we have, we, so we really try to have a lot of tools on here to help people. Uh, I apologize for not remembering sometimes. <laughs> I don't remember what I had for breakfast this morning. So that, that's one way, and it's a tutorial that gets you thinking about these things. But you do want to educate yourself because it, it, there's some people it makes sense for them to start taking Social Security as soon as possible at age 62. The majority not, for sure. But for some people it makes sense too. So that's two years off, so you'd certainly want to know – how, the, how it all works within the next 24 months. And then the other thing that we don't know the answer to that you'll have to actually judge for yourself, and you may have, if you've listened to our show any amount of time, you know how we feel about this, which is the higher the income you have in retirement, the more likely that the government will take away your Social Security benefit um, when they are running into more difficult financial situations than we are today. So if you're going to cut Social Security benefits, you don't cut it on the person that's, you know, living on $15,000 a year, you cut it on the person that's living on $150,000 a year. Or three hundred, or whatever. Or whatever the number is because it doesn't change their lifestyle as much as it will change someone. And the whole Social Security, how it's paid out is actually the people, the lower the income you make while you're putting into it, the higher the benefits as a percentage of your earned income you'll receive in social security. So you can go through the whole practice of when to take it. And you might decide that the best time to take it is 67 from a number standpoint, but you worry about the legislative risk. But it also depends on if he's retired and has any other wage income. That's, That's right. why you need to learn some of the rules. Cause you, you can't take it early if you're still working. Yeah. Right. Just, yeah. Right. And I, and I probably won't, but my wife may very well take it early due to health concerns uh, so the, I guess what, what I'm getting from you is that, I mean, what I'm concerned about is I go through this process and I learn everything and then the law changes next year Oh yeah, or, or the year after that. Oh yeah. Know, I, uh, so it very well could happen. At any rate, and, and I, it's not gonna, there's not going to be any major change on social security in the next 24 months. I, I can't imagine what, what would happen politically in Washington for the Democrats, I mean, it's the third, no one wants to touch it. In the it. next 24 months. And Social Security is going to be bust in about 2032, so about 12 years from now. My guess it's not going to be, it, it won't be addressed until 13 years from now. That would be my guess. It hasn't really been adjusted since Reagan, right? They've increased taxes in on it. Way. Well, they increased tax. You know, yeah. was that part. They moved the age out under Reagan. But at yeah. any rate. But then they, but it was after that, died. after that, where they started taxing, they went from 50% of your benefits being taxable to 85% of your benefits being taxable. On incomes over 44,000. In so for high income earners, it was more, more, it's more than a 10% reduction in their benefits, which was that, that's what that equated to. Greater than a 10% reduction in benefits. But it never showed up on the benefits. They just taxed you on that's it. That's right. So, and what was the what, what was the level that they consider high income? Forty four thousand for a couple. And huh. so originally, originally, <laughs> right, right. originally they were taxing fifty percent on thirty two thousand, and it there didn't seem to be much of an uproar. And they're like, hey, this is kind of working. And then they said, okay, between thirty two thousand for a couple and forty four thousand. Uh, we'll keep it at 50%, but over 44,000, we'll keep it at 80, we'll move it to 85%. And they never adjusted that for inflation. That was 1998. Never adjusted that for inflation. So. Okay, well, I will start with your tutorial. All, All right. right. And one other thing, if your wife has uh, it, it, serious health issues and you believe that there's slight chance that she might qualify for Social Security disability, you should look into that. Well, to be totally candid, well, I won't get into all the okay. details, but I will do that. Okay. Yep. All right. Appreciate the call. Yeah. Wish you Thank well. you, gentlemen. Thank you. Let's continue on. We're going to Cincinnati, and we're going to talk with Joe. Joe, you're with Allworth's Money Matters. Hi, Scott and Pat. This Hi, Joe. Is Joe. Uh, I'm married, 65, and um, trying to plan for the future. Um, I was looking in my required minimum distributions which now must be taken at uh, 72 because of the SECURE Act. That's right. Um, that combined with Social Security might push me into a high tax bracket. And I was wondering, um, 
what the uh, present tax brackets are, because I'd like to convert some of, the, but not all, my 401k and traditional IRAs Perfect. to Roth IRAs in order to minimize future required minimum distributions. Are you working now? Yes, I am. Okay, uh, and, probably and, for another year and a half. I'm okay, winding down. And is your spouse working and plan on no, working? She's not. Okay, so it's just you. And what's your approximate yes. income? Uh, I'm in about uh, presently between 150 and 200 thousand. Okay, so so we know that that you're probably not going to do any Roth conversion uh, between now and the time that you're still on payroll, or maybe even the calendar year that you're on payroll. Um, okay. After that, I, and I like the way you're thinking, but you're just—I really do—you're just too premature in um, in the decision making process to actually get the right answer. So once you retire, and we determine what you determine what your forms of income coming are, you'll know what your taxable income will be and approximately how much you need to live on. Then you actually work with an advisor or a CPA or an accountant to determine how much room there is between that existing tax bracket and the one above that. You take the uh, IRA balances, the qualified plan balances, and you put a, a growth rate on it in order to calculate what your required minimum distribution will be at age 72. But it's too premature to do that because you're still working. Okay. So we know we know that you that and it depends on what you're going to live on and what your assets are um, and what you can control in terms of the distributions and what you have no control over. So some accounts, if they're outside of an IRA, many people don't have a lot of control over the taxable distributions from that. But your thinking is right on. And here's where the tax rates are, just to give you. So, um, okay. Here's where they are today. For 2020, yes, for 2020. So the first uh, $20,000 of taxable income for married, you're married, is yes. at 10%. But we need to factor in a standard deduction. And the standard deduction is almost 25000 24000 and some change for standard deduction. So, and it's sometimes misleading because people pull up a tax table and they say, oh, we'll see taxable income here. Here's the, here's the tax brackets. But it doesn't take into the standard deduction. So I like to think of it still of, because 90-some-odd percent of Americans are on a standard deduction now, what is the tax bracket with the standard deduction? Now we're talking about, uh, the tax bracket doesn't move uh, from 10% higher until after 44000 So if you're factoring in the, the standard deduction, we're in a 12% tax bracket from 44000 to 104000 Then it jumps from 12% to 22%. From now, what's, the, what's the top of the 22% bracket 20, before you go to 24 it's 171,000 or think of it it's about 195,000 including the standard deduction. Okay. So unless you think and then you're it going goes to, to 24 but so Scott unless you think your income is going to be that high after the day you retire that's why you wait to do the Roth conversion. But I mean, briefly then it, then it jumps at 321,000 it goes to 32% from 24% to 32% then to 37% then to 30 uh, 35% then 37% Plus, over $250,000, roughly, there's the Obamacare tax, on which gets hit on a, a good portion of income. So it's... it's there, there's also a... Um, um, a state. A, a penalty on your Medicare Part B if That's you correct. exceed 218000 correct? That's correct. All right, well, and I'm gonna, Medicare Part B gets getting more. I'm going to stop both of you for a second. It's not an Obamacare uh, tax, Scott. It's the Affordable Health Care uh, Act. And it's not a penalty on Medicare; it's a fee. <laughs> so I'm just got kind of, your your language. Oh, okay. Well, the fee only goes from two hundred and two a month to two eighty nine a yeah. month. Correct. It, well, it is another tax that you need to consider when evaluating all these things. That's correct. But but okay. But but what we know is based upon your income today, you're going to have some planning opportunities in the future, but not now. Okay, Scott. Correct. That sounds good. All right. All right. So, well, thank you. Appreciate right. the, the call. Wish you luck, Joe. Yeah. And I like, frankly, I don't know why they don't have more, uh, you know, whenever you pull up these tax tables, I like thinking of it with the standard deduction in it because. It makes sense. Yeah. And, yeah, of course, the best way to do this is actually crunch your own numbers, just not using the. But there is great planning opportunities. When this Secure, uh, Secure Act came out, it gave 
a lot of people like uh, Joe another year and a half for planning uh, for required minimum distributions. Yeah. Which was a positive thing on them. That is correct, particularly if requirement of distributions are going to be a, an issue for yeah. you. But, you know, another thing that the Affordable Care Act, it's got, and I don't think we talked about this on previous shows, which is if you have multi-beneficiaries uh, in your estate and some are high earners and some are low earners, you would want to get those after-tax dollars directed to your high-earning beneficiaries and the IRAs to the Which low. after-tax dollars? So if I had a million dollars in an IRA and I had a million dollars outside of an IRA, right. if the normal people would say, okay, they're just going to split it evenly between my two beneficiaries. But the reality is there's a tax advantage to have um, Correct. the IRA go to the lower income tax earner, the lower wage earner. But it's not, the, it's not an equivalent. You can do the math, though. I know it's not equivalent dollar for dollar. But because... After-tax dollars move on on a stepped-up basis, and IRAs don't. There's a planning technique there to keep more money inside of the estate. So let me get this right. So there's three siblings inherit money. Yes. And the wealthy one is going to talk to the low, the ones, the, particularly the one who's not wealthy at all, and say, yeah, here, we're going to change some things around. So let me, I've calculated the numbers, and you're going to get less cash, but I'm going to give, you're going to have more in your retirement account. Because see, my tax bracket is at this level, and yours, because you don't earn any, any money, because you don't really work, is at this low level. So sign here, please. And well, let's, let's have, let, I'll see you Sunday for the potluck. Yes. Okay, good luck on that. <laughs> <laughs> or, right? or or the family naming I mean, the beneficiaries it. could do it. Okay. It is, pra- you're yeah. right. I mean, I mean, the pra- in a practical, how can you do that? Yeah, theoretically, it sounds I, brilliant. Yes. But I mean, it's like, <laughs> because it involves people, it somehow won't work. Of course. And the person who's not any money is going to think the other one's trying to take advantage of the situation. Well, they're not taking of the situation. They are taking advantage of the situation, not to the detriment of each uh, but other. But they would. Uh, that's probably not how it would be viewed. That's my guess. Okay. So. Well, we didn't have to worry about that when we inherited money in our family. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're going to use the latter part of this program to talk with uh, Michael Mariski. He's uh, heads up uh, Allworth's tax services because we do provide income tax planning and preparation for not only our clients but for others as well. So um, many of our uh, financial planning clients are also uh, utilize the services of our of our. Um, tax department, but we, there's also some people that just use our tax department, which and is And there's fine. also people that just use our financial planning and have their own Yeah, absolutely. Services. We find many enjoy a unified approach. But those that don't, that's fine as well. Anyway, Michael Mariski, Michael, thanks for joining us today. Sure. Happy to be here. So, um, <laughs> how has your world changed and with a typical, and how has the typical accountant's world changed in light of this coronavirus? Because here it is, we are what at the middle of March. Taxes are supposed to be due middle of April. There's t- discussion that we're going to extend the deadline. So what's That's happening? Right. Well, I think it's at the moment, uh, at least for us, it's kind of business as usual. You know, the there's the corporate tax deadline, which is Monday, normally March 15th, extended to the 16th because of the weekend. And, um, of course, you, as you mentioned, the April 15th deadline, you know, most of our clients, you know, I think even if there's an extension of the deadlines, which is what's being talked about by Trump, uh, nothing's official yet. You know, I think most clients are going to want to file, you know, as usual, um, especially if they're getting refunds, um, they're going to want to just file and, and, and be done with it. So I don't know that it's going to change much for us. Um, you know, maybe a few people that will go on extension, which would be helpful because there's so many tax returns to do in such a short period of time. But, you know, again, for the most part, I think it's business as usual. So it's unless someone's got locked. If you're trapped in um, the Sistine Chapel right now because the Italy's locked down in the middle of your tour and you can't come home to access your stuff, I guess that's would be a problem. I don't know if that's the example yeah. I would have used, Scott, but <laughs> I'm just thinking I'm going to be trapped somewhere. That might not be a bad place to be trapped. If you're trapped in Italy somewhere. Okay. Well, well. you know, I think what, what's been floated is, you know, an, an automatic extension. Normally, uh, there's a form that you need to file to obtain a six-month extension for the IRS. And what, what they're talking about is making that automatic. And so it 
for your example, if you are stuck, then you wouldn't have to worry. It would be an automatic extension uh, where normally uh, if you didn't file it, you'd be late. All right. So what are what are some things that pe- people should be focusing on for their in- income taxes right now? Well, I think, um, you know, one of the, the primary things I would keep in mind is, you know, don't don't always get focused on whether you're going to take the standard deduction uh, for federal and forget all your your other itemized deductions. You know, there's a lot of instances where people are ending up uh, taking the standard deduction for federal, but they still end up itemizing for California. You know, we have a lot of clients in California. It could be other states as well. Um, But I do get that question a lot from our new clients of, oh, we're just going to take the standard and they don't provide their information. And I say, well, wait a second, we need to look at it. And um, often is the case we end up using their itemized deductions on the California side. And, you know, if, if they had prepared their own tax returns, they may have missed out on deductions. So the higher, so but, is it fair to say the higher uh, your state income tax, the, uh, that the more, uh, the greater the probability that you'll use an itemized deductions on the state tax return and not the federal? Um, well, the, the state tax deductions aren't deductible, but for those that have property taxes and a mortgage or, or charity, those are the situations um, where you still may That's itemize it. for California. That was yeah. how, what I meant to ask was exactly yes. that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I figured that. <laughs> what, are, what are some other things that uh, uh, people should be doing differently now than maybe a couple of years ago as a result of the last tax? The Secure Act. The, is it the, yeah, well, the I think, um, you know, again, um, I think, uh, you know, not having big refunds is is always, I think, ideal. And here's a situation where, you know, I mean, a couple of years ago, there were delays, you know, California issuing refunds. So I think, you know, planning, you know, all the time to try to minimize your refunds is, is ideal. Why, why loan the government money, whether it's the IRS or your state? And, you know, now there's a situation where, you know, we don't know yet, but refunds could be delayed from the IRS if, if those people get furloughed or, you know, don't go to work because of what's going on right now. Refunds uh, that people are expecting could, could get delayed. So that's, you know, that's something to, to think about. And then, you know, with the SECURE Act, I would just say, you know, again, make sure, depending on what state you're in, not everything that the federal government does in terms of taxation follows at the state level. There are some key differences uh, with the SECURE Act, I know, for California. And so just, again, you know, educating yourself, making sure before you, you do anything that you, you understand the implications. All right. Well, hey, Michael, thank you for taking some time to be with us today. And uh, just thought we'd catch you with the you know, changes in taxes and whatnot. Michael Mariski, he heads up Allworth Tax Solutions. And um, you can learn more at either allworthfinancial.com or Allworth Tax Solutions. So uh, certainly appreciate you taking a little time to join us. No problem. Thank you. All right. So, you know, it's um, we just have a few minutes left in the program. And I'm going to it is um, who knows what next week will bring. Right. Yes, you would expect. We would expect that the um, that the markets will continue to be extremely turbulent in all markets. I don't care what the asset class. We would expect expect that we're probably uh, there's the probability of us entering a recession is extremely high. Not just a you know. So the last number I read was eighty plus. How can we not? I mean, but that's uh, the U.S. But a global recession is yeah. And how could we not? Is exactly it. I mean, the path that we're going down. What the our response to the virus, whether you believe it's the right response or not, is irrelevant. I'm just talking about what's happening. Our response to the virus, where we're shutting everything down. You think about. I was at the I was at the Sacramento Kings game on Wednesday night. Games were being played. They they had made and mentioned. They had, as I was getting into the arena, I was actually um, full disclosure. I'm down. I'm down below. I'm at a place to about to buy a beer, and the NBA sends a thing that's saying beginning the next day all games are being canceled. So the next day, little tweet thing comes out. And someone tells the bartender that, and she says, oh, no, that must be a joke. And I looked at my phone. I said, no, nah, like, sorry. It's and the look on her face of and, – and, Yes. Right? So at that moment, I thought, look at the impact this is having on her. And then they canceled the game right before it started. And so I just started thinking as I'm driving home with the canceled game, and I thought, 
I thought about her, who was probably 30-something, might have had a kid or two at home or whatnot, about that age probably, and I thought, she relies on these tips. Bartender at a, an arena, she probably makes pretty good tips doing it. Maybe her second job. I'm sure it was. It's in the evening, right? Right. Maybe. Maybe your first job. Who knows? So that's gone. You think about all the restaurants around the arena. You think of all the restaurants around the United States, the service people, the people that work for airlines, the people that work in hotels, the people that work in amusement parks, the people that work in theaters, anywhere where large groups of people either travel to or meet together. Think about all the conferences that we canceled 22 events well our employees will get paid whether we That's have right. the events or not but all those people at the facilities that we rent right we can't we don't need you we don't yeah. we don't need you monday yeah, night and we'll pay those facilities something because we had contract with them but well, that we're not going to pay more not, than what's contracted correct, no but that money's that. not going to yes, get down I into know. the laborers right it is going to be this is what it, it's the ripple effect it, through everything. It there is no no part of the economy. I mean, that will you be look untouched. at the, the the theater district in New York, shut yes. down, right? I mean, but I got to tell you, this may be not the right. This too shall pass. This may not. My kids came home and they're you know anywhere between nineteen and twenty four. And are they, they home already? Uh, two of them are, but they said, Dad, look how cheap it is to go to Hawaii, and we could get a place at Airbnb <laughs> for nothing, and we've got five or six. <laughs> And they're 19 and 20. And they're right. They may get coronavirus, but for them, it will just be like a bad cold. And so they're like, Dad, we can fly round trip to Hawaii for $200, and five of us are going to rent this Airbnb for $300 a night. And I'm thinking, these poor people rent the Airbnb. I know. There's a lot of pain. Yeah, it is. They forget. I mean, obviously, there's people are going to be impacted by the virus, but there's. There's this I, too shall pass. Everyone's feeling some financial pain on this. I think everybody will. To Pat's point, this will pass. From an investor standpoint, look, this this is not a great time to be selling any sort of riskier assets. People are panicking. It might get worse. It might get a lot worse. But it will get better. When I started in this industry, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was around 2,600. That was 30, 30 years ago. It's 21,000, whatever it is today, it's much higher. Anyway, we're out of time. Go to allworthfinancial.com for that uh, video on navigating financial shocks. I think you'll find it helpful. If this uh, podcast is helpful, forward it on to a friend. Appreciate it. This program has been brought to you by Allworth Financial, a registered investment advisory firm. Any ideas presented during this program are not intended to provide specific financial advice. You should consult your own financial advisor, tax consultant, or estate planning attorney to conduct your own due diligence.